Kirby's. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Mary Scott Hunter here with Rachel Briers and Liz Bashirs. I'm going to name some characters, ladies, from TV and film, and I want you to tell me what they all have in common. Johnny Lawrence in The Karate Kid. Remember Karate Kid? Remember that movie? Great movie. Draco Malfoy in Severus Snape in Harry Potter. Jeff Joffrey Bar- Baratheon in Game of Thrones. Nellie Olson with Little House on the Prairie. Hilly Holbrook in The Help. <laughs> Every one of these characters is... Starts with a B. Ends with a Y. Bully. <laughs> Although I We're hear done. that uh, Johnny Lawrence and the Karate Kid, I heard the, uh, the the reboot that's on Netflix right now is pretty good. Was it Cobra Kai? Yes, I heard the tables have turned. Yeah. I know. So, uh, yeah, every one of these characters is a bully. Bullies are classic characters in literature and in, in cinema and film. And, you know, it's sometimes good to start there and start thinking about, about that. And they all, they were all terrible characters with terrible traits. And they were all bullies. Bullying really is a distinctive pattern of repeatedly and deliberately harming others specifically those who are smaller or weaker or younger or in any way more vulnerable than the bully. The deliberate targeting of those of lesser power is what distinguishes bullying from garden variety aggression. So, ladies, tell me about a time when you had to deal with a bully. And and I know sometimes bullies can be pretty close to home, and I know sometimes you may not want to mention names, so no need to mention names, although all of you out there in curvy land who are thinking – you know, of your bully, you can say it out loud if you're driving in your car, just make sure your bully isn't somewhere close by. But um, we've all dealt with bullies. When have you had to deal with a bully, even going back to grade school? Well, it, it's that's what I was thinking of. This the funny story just popped in my mind when you were introducing this, that I can remember being in third grade and doing some homework on the playground because maybe I'd been sick. I can't remember why. And this this very athletic girl coming up and kicking rocks all over my paper and being like ha, ha. And then she then at lunch I can I still yeah I can still remember this she would take her grapes and she would say these are your brains and she would squish them oh my goodness <laughs> I, oh, I know. Dark. just just silly stuff and I you know I was kind of shy and quiet growing up but I remember going home and we had this like chalkboard and I drew <laughs> I drew her her face in a circle on the chalkboard and I practiced aiming. I was like, she's not going to bully me. I'm going to, I'm going to punch her. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and then the next time she came up, I was like, you know, my parents said that if anybody bullies me, I can fight back. So, you know, watch out. And she ran out of the class, like ran and told the teacher and was like crying. And I was like, Oh, little old me made the bully back down and cry. (laughs) I was kind of proud of my, and I didn't have to, didn't have to hit it, it had an effect on you didn't it it stuck with you yes, yes. obviously because it, it, it popped up in your head again yeah squished grapes <laughs> it's crazy how those little things that people st- say when you're a kid really stick with you for a long to this day <laughs> this might not make the cut I don't know but to this day I won't part my hair in the middle <laughs> because when I was a kid a little boy told me that it made my head look like a dog's butt <laughs> I don't know if that makes the cut, but it sure is a crappy thing to say. (laughs) So I won't part my hair in the middle. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. It's awful, isn't it? Well, on the other side of the spectrum, um, I've definitely been in, I've, I've definitely uh, dealt with bullies before, but the thing that comes to mind right now is some uh, professional positions I've been in mm. where somebody wasn't necessarily my supervisor or my boss, but somebody had the decision rights or the authority over something that I wanted to get done and needed it on a timeline. And they knew that I couldn't do it without them and was probably not a person who was well equipped to be in that position. And they just kind of lorded it over me. And that's really frustrating. Mm, (laughs) That's one that comes to mind right now. Well, I mean, bullying is not, you know, it's not confined to the play yard. It is definitely not confined to uh, schoolhouse you know, situations. It, it, in fact, you know, this show is an adult show. We need to think and talk about adult bullying. Uh, my bully, my bet, my, my bully memory that, that sticks out in my memory most though, and I'm going to change the name to protect the, the not so innocent. Um, I'm going to call her Dana and she was a mean girl and I was in the eighth grade. And it, uh, for those of you that have seen me, I, you know, you can look us up on Bell Curve. There's pictures of us on our website, but I have super curly hair. And when I was, if you look at any pictures of me below age 12, I had no idea what to do with this crazy <laughs> mane of curly hair. It was like 12 inches in every direction off my head. I had no idea how to fix it. I, I, it was like, I was like, it was just, my, my mother didn't know what to do with it. Nobody knew what to do. It was always tangled. It was a mess. So, uh, and you know, whenever there's anything even remotely different, and in my case, there really was something different about me. It was my hair. Um, you know, the mean girls will come out or the mean guys. I think it's really a mean girls thing. And, and Dana was a mean girl and she took every opportunity to belittle me and, and usually about my hair. And, um, so I, I finally one day I just had it, you know, and um, we were all out on the playground and, you know, they always do it when everybody's around. They always make fun of you, whatever that thing is, a mole or something about you whenever, when everyone's around because they want you to cower. So finally one day I just said, stop talking about my hair, Dana, back off, you know, and it was just kind of that straightforward. Stop it. And and shockingly, she did. And I, that's kind of where my lessons about bullying over the years, and probably yours too, Rach, when you started, you know, and you, you kind of carry those with you. And one of the reasons maybe that we don't have a ton of examples as adults is because if you learned how to deal with bullies by hook or by crook or some kind of way as a, as a child, then a lot of times you may not be as affected going forward. And that's something we'll talk about because it kind of shows up in the research. But people bully because it's effective. It's effective way of them getting what they want, at least for the short term. In my case, Dana, you know, was trying to get a rise out of me and she, she did. She got me to cower until she didn't. And then she moved on. Bullies lack social skills. That's interesting. Um, they, uh, they, uh, they establish their social dominance uh, through their bullying. Although over time, as children's behavior repertoires generally broaden, it, it really does become an increasingly dysfunctional way to behave. So if you think about that, um, let's kind of flip the script a little bit and ask ourselves this. Is bullying ever effective? Is it an effective way 
you know, is it sometimes effective to, to try to be a bully, a little bit of a bully, or at least take on some of those traits for a short period of time? Have you ever used the tactic yourself effectively? Maybe not in a, maybe not in a, you know, for a long term, but have you ever yourself been a bully? I think the big thing really is that bullying absolutely is effective in the short term, yes. but I don't think it's a long-term strategy. And so when you think about wanting to be somebody who gets what they want, you've got to have a long-term view of it. So if you come at it saying, I'm going to get what I want by, you know, in the, in the workplace, for example, I'm going to get what I want in the workplace by just asserting my dominance and asserting my will on this issue. You're not going to, you're not going to, that's not leadership. You're not going to inspire people to want to be on your team, to want to give you what you want. So yes, I hate to say it, but yes, I have employed that tactic in the past. But I've, it's shown over and over again that it's not effective for getting what I want in the long term. I think I agree with that. You know, I have somebody that I deal with pretty regularly. And I can see those moments when he's about, I don't think he so much is a bully as he utilizes bullying tactics when they suit him. Mm-hmm. And um, because I've also seen this person be very kind and generous and loving. And, but every now and then on some issues, he's, he's going to be a bully. Uh, and I, I can kind of start to peg those situations now and see him coming. And um, what I have figured out watching that is that he can win an argument. He, he can win that argument, but I will never engage with him on that issue again. And in a little small way, I, I withdraw, I withdraw. And if that tactic is used enough times, um, I'm pretty withdrawn from him for a pretty long period of time. And I'll do everything I can to, you know, avoid him, avoid trying to work with him, avoid trying to deal with him. Um, You know, won't invite him on a team, won't invite him into, you know, into anything. So I don't know. Is that, does that resonate? Yeah, I think that when I think about some of the ways people communicate, You could look at two very different people. One is a leader, one is a bully, but sometimes the way they communicate might come out very similarly. And I think that one differentiator is that a bully, to get back to that original description, that definition that you gave us, probably takes a little bit of pleasure in repeatedly and deliberately harming and humiliating. So maybe they're calling people out unfairly in front of each other Maybe they're being very, very forceful, not really to just get people going and to achieve the, the goal, the purpose, but also because they just take joy in being able to push people around. So I think a leader, the difference there is that they, they are for the team. You get that sense that there's a larger purpose and they're just corralling everybody to, to win, win the day. That means I need to tell you what to do at this point. That means, you know, all hands on deck. We got to do this thing. Um, and it might come out in some of the same ways as the bully, but ultimately I think you can sort of discern the difference in heart. And I think also a bully is very defensive. So if you say, hey, you know, how about you rephrase that? Or, hey, I need to talk to you about, about that. They might be like, what? And just push back even harder, whereas a real leader is going to want to listen oh, you know what, that's not at all how I wanted you to feel. We still have to hit at this goal. So let's work together to figure out how we can go about that. I still need you to do X, Y, Z, but yeah, did not mean to make you feel that way. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes in the workplace, 
somebody who might use tactics that are aggressive can be thought to be a bully or, or even outside of the workplace, let's say in an organization. But, you know, we're a show that talks a lot about the workplace. And I think sometimes you're right, Rachel, that people are called bullies there because they use aggressive tactics. They use um, techniques that are mm, directive, uh, but, but their goal is not to belittle you. Their goal is not to make you less. Their goal is not to raise themselves up. Their goal is to achieve a goal. And I do think that's different, although the tactics can, might be confusing. And sometimes people are, are just tone deaf, whereas if they knew they were coming across as a bully, they'd, they'd be very sad to hear that because they, they do want to effectively be leaders. But it's just it kind of gets back to that social skills and social intelligence. And we had a whole show about the Enneagram. Mm. I was about to say it. I was yeah. about to say it. <laughs> I know, I know. Poor Mary Scott. Go ahead and roll your eyes. No, no, but- no. I, I actually get the the emails now from, I signed up for the Enneagram test and I get the emails and um, it really is a very fascinating way to think about human behavior. Yeah. So, so of course, the, if you had to say which Enneagram type is most likely to be the bully, I'm sure we all could be, but the Enneagram 8 just, they just can't help themselves. They, they so often are when, especially if they're kind of like what they call unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, that's, that's a hard one. But I think if you're an Enneagram eight, you just have to be aware. You might not mean to be coming across that way, but you might be. Mm-hmm. I think so too. If I was asking myself that question, is bullying ever effective? And have I employed the tactic? I, I think I probably have employed the tactic at least the same behavior traits, at least the same mode of direct, you know, kind of very, very directive, um, you know, language. But I, I can, uh, I know that I have never wanted to belittle anybody, but have I ever done it uh, accidentally or, you know, inadvertently? I'm sure I have. And and I'm going to agree with, with Liz on this one that it's not effective, Ultimately, it might be effective for that one. You might win the argument. You might <laughs> you might get somebody to do something for you. And if the house is burning down and you just need to use a very directive tone, and I'm not literally saying the house break down, but maybe there's something on fire. You know, sometimes those kind of very direct, very, very pointed, very go do this and do it now and get it done in the next five minutes. You know, maybe that's their appropriate, you know, language, but... I would say for the most part, people don't like to be treated that way. And if you do, it you might win an argument, but you're not going to win the next one. Mm-hmm. So um, no big surprise, ladies, but bullies, quote unquote, shop for their prey. Uh, and whom do they choose? They choose victims. Studies of children show that victims easily acquiesce to bullies' demands, handing over their bikes, their toys, mm. other playthings. They cry and assume a defensive posture their highly visible displays of pain and suffering are, are rewarding to bullies and serve as an important signal of the bully's dominance. Children who become victims often offer no deterrent or to, they offer no deterrent to aggression, which can make them disliked even by their, by their non-bullying peers. So that's interesting. So with this in mind, what advice um, for you, this question for you, Rachel, what advice might you give to parents who are trying to guide their children? I think I like to talk a lot about assuming the best in others and, you know, really giving space to others and empathy and blah, blah, blah. But I tell my children very firmly, look, you, no one has a right to mistreat you ever. If you tell them, I don't like what you're doing and they 
keep doing it and they take pleasure in that even, it is fine by me if you if you have a show of aggression back or, I mean, I'm, I got your back, you're not in trouble. Um, you stand up, you point your finger in their face and you tell them, stop it. So I, you know, I, my son, one of them, and I coach them, <laughs> I'll give them comebacks. If they come back home upset about something someone said, we will sit there and we will role play. I'll say, you know mm-hmm. what, this is how you handle that. You don't ever let them see that they upset you because that's going to make them feel really, really good. So you just kind of laugh about it or let it roll off your back, but you still firmly say this, 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 and this, and we'll sit there and we'll practice and then, you know, we have a good time, but I don't, you know, maybe it's because I'm more on the other side of the spectrum where I tend to be the nice guy, you know, people, if I'm not careful, I can get taken advantage of all that kind of stuff. And so it's become very important to me that when it matters, I, I have a strong presence that can turn that on when I need to. So I'm trying to teach that to my children. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that because I don't feel like I've done a particularly good job in this area. I, I've offhandedly, you know, said to them, given them the impression that they can fight back and I, and not really explain to them what that means. I think what you just said is yes, you want them to fight back, but not necessarily to punch them in the nose when you say fight back, you know, a show of aggression for a kid needs, it needs to be, they need to understand what that means. Hmm. And it doesn't, maybe not necessarily mean, I mean, obviously it doesn't mean go break their arm. You know, it means put your finger in their face, you know, push back, don't cry. Um, You know, that, and I, I had a situation a couple of years ago with my youngest who has a oh, he has a sore spot about a baseball game and an event that happened in a baseball game. And he threw the ball out of play by accident. There was this long period of time when the refs had to kind of figure out what to do. It was brutal. He was standing out there in right field trying to, you know, hold himself together. And it is a very, very, very sore subject. And a kid talked to him about that one day in gym class that was not even at the event, but they know that that gets Caleb going. And Caleb, there wasn't like two seconds in between that kid saying, well, you threw the ball out of play when Caleb went, bam. And, um, (laughs) and um, that was not the right reaction. But Rachel, I, to your point, I, 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 you know, I told him, you know, that is more my fault than your fault. Cause I told you to fight back, but I didn't really tell you what that meant. And I think kids have to understand, not just you need to go fight back. You know, you, they also need to understand that role playing. I never had tried that with him. I never even thought of doing that. And that's a really good idea. Well, and I think that there's a difference between fighting and physical aggression being the uh, option of first resort. And just kids being empowered to know that you might have to be physical. You don't have to be the first one, but yeah, if somebody's hurting you, harming you in any way, and that is your only option, your mom, yeah. your mom says, go for it. And I will, you'll be, okay, you got a suspension from school. You're not in trouble with me. Now, if you started it, if you were provoking that kind of behavior, or yeah. if somebody was just saying something and you didn't try to handle it in, in better ways, that's a different story. But somebody, right. somebody hurts you and you have, to, you have to push back, I'm okay with that. Well, I will say that forever after this, I, I just have so much 
so many compliments to the other mom. She was mortified. I never met her, but she passed that information to me through the counselor that her son had bullied mine. And, you know, and she and 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 Caleb and this other little boy became the best of friends. <laughs> after oh, that. right. So I, I think there is something to helping the kids in real specific ways. And I um, I did have his back. So that was taught. It taught me a lot about bullying. Um and I had been way too offhand about it and not um, and did not understand as well as I should have what he was going through. But Liz, question for you, because we've been talking about bullies on the play yard, but obviously victims are not confined to that setting. Um, what have you, when have you witnessed bullying in the workplace or another adult setting? Um, you may not want to say it specifically if it's somebody that you're still dealing with, <laughs> but what are some strategies that you've employed for those situations? I don't know if I have the best advice, but I, I do think that bullying comes down to <clears throat> two reasons. The first one being this person or this group of people is just used to getting what they want. And so when they feel like they're not going to get what they want, they have a defensive reaction to that. And that comes across as bullying. And I think the other one is insecurity. And that's the one that I've seen more struggles with is it really all comes down to social and sometimes business hierarchy of either not knowing their place in the hierarchy or of being defensive of their place in the hierarchy. And that's when you really see some of those bullying issues pop up is, is somebody trying to assert their dominance, assert their place in this hierarchy in a way that they have to put other people down to, to be able to feel secure in their spot where they're supposed to be. So in the times that I've had to deal with it, I am more of a, well, I'll just go get it done anyway person. And that's not always the best tactic either. I'm just not going to fight this battle. I'm just going to do what I want. And then, and then, and then um, the job will get done. I don't care who gets credit for it, but the job is done. So that's probably not great advice though, is the problem. (laughs) Well, but it's practical advice. Did it work? Yes. Yeah. So, but the other person got credit for it, not me. (laughs) Well, no, that's not the best outcome, but, um, you know, I do think probably the first best option, I think we said it, I think I have some notes in here somewhere, but studies and, and, and experts will tell you the first best option is to respond in a constructive way back and don't fold. But the second best option and sometimes second best is all you can do is to walk away. And, and in my personal life, the the bullies that I've encountered there as an adult, that's what I do. I just don't interact with those people. I'm just like, yeah. okay, you're not pleasant to be around. I'm going to choose not to be around you. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you don't have to deal with them. Well, that leads very well into this next, um, this next part of uh, what I want to examine about bullying. If you've ever witnessed any of you ladies a bully, bullying behavior as an adult and said to yourself or even said out loud, will you just grow up? Just grow the blank up. Well, turns out if you have said it or at least thought it, that would have been very good advice because there's all these studies. And I found this study that amalgamated all these other studies from Scandinavia and England and Japan, the Netherlands, Canada, the United States. Researchers looked at this phenomenon and they found a couple of things that I want to, um, I want to highlight. Bullies are a special breed of children and um, 
their study found that a, a large number of children, uh, maybe as many as 60%, are never bullied um, by either a perpetrator or, and they never are a victim. Um, so they, they postulated that that's possible, that as many as 60% are. I don't really feel like that's been my experience, but that was what the study found. Um, but what they also found is that when a bully bullies, they do it consistently. That is their mode. That is their MO. Their aggression starts at an early age. It takes a very specific set of conditions to produce a child who can start fights, threaten or intimidate a peer, like, give me your jump rope, you know, give me your Barbie. Um, uh, it, it does really take a special set of conditions to create a child that would inflict pain on others. It's, it's not just born, it's created. Bullying causes a great deal of misery to others. We know that. It, uh, its effect on vic- victims sometimes can last for decades. Witness um, Liz and the, the butt hair comment. <laughs> it's so awful. And for the record, I think you should try parting your hair down the middle. Oh, uh, <laughs> but hair makes it sound even worse. <laughs> what was it again? Dog hair. Sorry. Dog butt. Dog butt. <laughs> um, but it can really produce some some pretty bad um, some mysteries that can last a lifetime in others. The person the person hurt uh, most by bullying, though, ha- typically. Not always. We have very horrible examples where this isn't the case. But the person typically hurt by bullying is the bully himself, Um, though that's not obvious uh, uh, at first by the negative effects that they inflict on others. Most bullies have a downward spiraling course through their life and their behavior uh, interferes with learning, friendships, work, intimate relationships, income, and their mental health. So, I want to say real fast that we certainly have horrible, terrible, spectacularly awful examples of bullies where the bullying caused a a child, usually a child, sometimes an adult, to do harm to themselves. And that, of course, is those examples are terrible. But what this study found is that the the part, the run of the mill every day you know, bullying that goes on for the most part hurts the bully themselves. Uh, So this is kind of where we might feel sorry for bullies just a little bit. Um, I personally think most bullies are made, not born. I think of these little babies that come out and they're born and they're perfect and they can just be anything, you know, for the most part. And, um, and, and yet they kind of turn into something that would, you know, what would it take to turn somebody into, especially at such a young age, into a human being that would take pleasure in inflicting pain on others? You know, that that really is deserving of our sympathy, I think. I think it's a combination of inherent traits, temperaments, biology even, and and then what does that what is that little baby coming into the world with all of those inherited traits, what do they encounter? What amplifies that? Maybe they have a trait toward aggression and then they're met with abuse of some sort and they just learn certain behaviors that are reinforced and survival modes where they have a go-to place and it's outwardly aggressive. Um, so mm-hmm. I think it's a kind of a combination of nature and nurture probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So let's talk cyberbullying a second, because that's a particular kind of destructive in the world we are in today. Uh, bullies can access their prey anonymously. You know, the restraints are out the door on social media. People just feel like they can say any darn thing they want on you know, on social media, in a text, it's impersonal for the bully, but it can be deeply personal for the, for the victim. Um, it's not confined to young people. This is definitely an area where it's not confined to young people. Uh, in adults, it can even manifest as sexual harassment, uh, cyber stalking. So I found a lot of articles on this subject, but essentially they all recommend a couple of things that I want to make sure our Kirby's here. Um, keep evidence in this situation. Keep keep your evidence. I don't mean to be too lawyerly or lawyer up there, but um, you know some of the stuff can get so bad that it, even if it's not having a dramatic effect on you, keeping evidence for the purpose of helping someone else can be really important. So don't be so quick to delete that. You know, make make sure you grab a screenshot. Um, uh, you can also. Delete, hibernate, hide, temporarily deactivate social media. Now, this is particularly helpful for our children, you know, and, and that can be a little tricky to do. You have to sometimes go through and kind of figure out how to do that. Twitter does it differently than Facebook, does it differently than TikTok, does it differently than, you know, um, all the other platforms. So, um, but know how to delete, hide, hibernate, deactivate, whatever you need to do. Um, blogging and reporting bullies on the platform where the bullying is hosted is, is something else. Every single platform, every single one has a way to report mm -hmm. cyberbullying. Now, you may not get much reaction from that. You may not get much out, but, but do your part um, to, to help that. Um, strengthening the privacy and security settings on, on, your, on your social media, that can help. In extreme cases where a child is being damaged, or the bullying has crossed the line into illegal uh, activity, you may need to seek professional assistance or inform the authorities. So please keep that in mind because cyberbullying is a particularly, it's just an area that can be, you know, it, it, it's, it's ripe ground for bullies to do some really bad damage. Ladies, any thoughts on that? I would just recommend an app called Bark, B-A-R-K, that you can link to your kids' social media and texting and whatnot that will send you an alert if there's anything that pops up that's alarming or that you should be aware of. And sometimes, you know, they don't get it right and you get an alert about something that's harmless. But, uh, you know, we have to watch these days what's coming across our kids' social media and, and, and all of that. We just have to because sometimes a child is not aware or they just don't want to talk about it, but you need to know. And uh, so that's something you can do. I'd also say that, like Mary Scott, you used the example of the your child and this other lady's child ended up being great friends and they got past this moment and she had come to you with her with the information that there was bullying going on. I think even with all this cyber stuff, you know, having the courage for one parent to go to another, we had a situation very recently where um, I was so grateful. A mother called me very distraught, very upset. There was a misunderstanding, but because somebody had put my child's phone number in accidentally he, with, so it, in the screenshot, it looked like my child had sent something only because she had entered, entered the contact information wrong. Does that make sense? Yes. So once, once all the investigation was done, it was not, thank you, Lord, my son. However, 
there was no reason for her to not think it was. And she called me immediately and let me know. And of course, we were appalled and we thanked her and went and checked our son out of school and had this big discussion until we got to the bottom of it. Now, that took courage because she didn't know what she was going to get from me. I might have gotten mad at her or been defensive. So um, anyway, I think parents have to communicate and we all have to be aware that this this space is just so much bigger and more rife with problems than we probably are even aware of as adults. Have y'all seen, uh, it's a documentary on Netflix right now called The Social Dilemma. Yes, I was just thinking of that. It's it's got it's a little bit more doom and gloom than I think might be necessary, but it has some really great points. And and basically, it just talks about how we are manipulated by what is shown in our timelines through these algorithms that the major social media um, platforms have developed. And like I said, I think there are some issues with the way that it's presented, but the larger point still stands that we see what those companies think and like in our Facebook timelines and our Twitter feeds in on Snapchat, on Instagram, what those platforms think will keep us on the page the longest. So they want to keep us into in a, a heightened emotional state so that they can serve us advertisements. And sometimes that emotional state looks like anger. Sometimes it looks like shame. Sometimes it looks like insecurity and those can become entryways for bullies to absolutely to be able to kind of assert their dominance um over people not not just kids but adults too and so i i would recommend that documentary watch it with an open mind but um just thinking about the ways that we are all allowed to have our emotions manipulated either by people or by an algorithm (laughs) You know, I think I want to leave it here, but I want to say this before we go and just, you know, our Kirby's like to hear from us directly about what we think that we like to cite studies. We love to cite, you know, we like to go directly to, you know, true sources and we try to do that. So I'm going to put down here in our show notes. I looked at psychology today. I looked at an article called Big Bad Bullies. I, um, I looked at a couple of different sources. I'm going to put those out there, but I know our Kirby's also like to hear directly from us. And so I'm going to close with this. I want you like for each of us to give us give a little piece of advice in this area. And I'm going to say this: Don't be a wuss. Don't be a wuss. Don't 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 be a wuss yourself. Don't wussify your kids. Now that doesn't necessarily mean taking somebody you know blooding someone's nose. You know, obviously you know might be a call for that at some point, but usually not. Um, but you know, you will feel better if you stand up. You will feel better. Your children will feel better. Stand up for yourself. Encourage your children to stand up for themselves, whether that's on the schoolyard, in the in the in the in the conference room, um, you know, wherever. Uh, stand up for yourself, and it, it it's hard, and you, you may feel like falling apart. But if you stand up for yourself, most of the time, in my experience, that works out exactly like you expect it to. Just like it does when Laura Ingalls stood stood up to Nellie Olson, you know the bully backs down because that's, that's what you do. So that's my advice. Don't be a wuss. I'll give two points that I think are important. And one of them actually leapfrogs off of not being a wuss. Okay. Not everything is bullying. Okay. We are, I think what we're talking about today is pretty, uh, pretty specific, pretty specific, but I think there's a, there is just a, 
a wave of folks who would say that if anyone disagrees with you, if anyone has a different opinion, if you get in some sort of an argument, if <laughs> someone jokes around with you, you know, that that's, that person is a bully. My kids will come home sometimes and say, so-and-so is a bully. And then they'll describe the situation. I'm like, that's not actually bullying. So I'd say <laughs> my, my first thing is don't be, don't have such sensitive skin that people really can't, they can't speak to you directly. They can't joke around with you, all of that. You know, learn, learn to just kind of just decide what is bullying and what is just you need to be a strong human being. But when somebody is bullying, I, this is just what I do. I've only had a few of these these opportunities anyway. I go into a crystalline focus where something new, it's inside of me all the time, but it doesn't come out a lot. Something new is experienced by the person who has been interacting with me in a different way. Remember how we talked in the first episode about the lamb and the lion? <laughs> <You know? laughs> like most of the time, the lion shows up. <laughs> most of the time I'm the lamb, but yeah, when the bully starts coming, something new comes. And I would just say, get into a focused, crystalline, purpose, purposeful place where there is no doubt that you are a strong person with presence who has the security to stand up for yourself. This might sound a little soft, <laughs> but going back to what I mentioned earlier that I think a lot of uh, bullying comes from insecurity, I, I would maybe come from a mindset of empathy of maybe this person is behaving this way because they feel insecure about something. And that doesn't mean acquiesce to them, but maybe use that to shape your own personal response to them. Hmm. Is that okay? <laughs> is that too, oh, yeah, is that too soft? Okay. That's beautiful. No. <laughs> Here I am like, no, because, I'm like you don't take was, it. And Liz is like, <laughs> empathy. <laughs> better. No, and I think it's, I think this is a good demonstration of how our personalities are different though, of my first reaction is fight back. Hmm. And Rachel, sometimes your first reaction is to be the nice girl. Yeah, for sure. So sometimes the opposite reaction is the appropriate reaction and having that mindfulness of knowing, okay, well, maybe I should hold back my first reaction and come from a place of empathy. Whereas sometimes your what you need is to be that lion. I, I usually am the lion. Most of the time I need to put a leash on it though. Well, it's, it's, I do think that the going back to that study that we cited about what bullies typically become, sadly, they really do typically spiral down and have a lot of problems later in life. So empathy is absolutely not a wrong reaction. So I want to say uh, thank you again to our Patreon subscribers. We always want to take a moment to thank you. We will always bring you high quality content here at Bell Curve, uh, but it's it's not free to produce the show. So we really do appreciate those of you who help us uh, help us by subscribing at patreon.com slash Bell Curve Pod. Connect with Bell Curve Pod on Facebook. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Please leave us a review. It really helps us. See you next time. <laughs>